The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 13. So today, I want to actually take some time to address some questions that you guys have had about previous episodes. I want to do this every uh, few few weeks, maybe every few months, I'm not sure, but the intention is to build a community uh, around some of these ideas and to honestly, to create uh, a new age Christian concept that is um, something we can all identify with. As such, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, give and take, a lot of questions that we have. Today, we're going to answer some of those. I've had some of my uh, close friends ask me, you know, for clarification on some of my political views, maybe some clarification on what do you do with Jesus and other religions, and finally, a little bit more information on what NAC is doing and where we're going. So, uh, it's a little bit more of a uh, open forum today, but that is part of where we're going. So let's get started. All right, here we are, episode number 13. We have one full quarter of the year under our belts. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. I, I, you know, one of the things that drives me with any project that I undertake is that I will iterate and iterate and reiterate and reiterate until I find something that works. And it seems like this podcast may finally be <laughs> something that works. So uh, I've had people in my life for years wanting to uh, have more regular access to what I have to share. And yes, I have done events in my basement as, you know, regular Bible studies. We even had special events down there before with Ronnie Herma and God 2.0, which you can find that on the website. Um, Stardust and God 2.0 are two recordings um, from a few years ago. And anyway, the podcast has become this outlet that hopefully you're enjoying. Hopefully it is ministering to you. <laughs> I don't, what does that even mean anymore? I'm not sure. Hopefully it means something to you and um, that it is uh, something you look forward to every week. You may or may not have noticed that it comes out every Saturday night. uh, And therefore, the intention is when you wake up Sunday morning, if you're not the type of person that can stomach going to a traditional church anymore, you have something to replace that time. You know, obviously... The nice thing about today's technology is you can listen to this in your car. You can listen to this at work. I know a lot of you have listened to some of these episodes multiple times. And um, it's fascinating to me the feedback I'm getting from you guys. The different episodes and the the variety of subjects where, you know, a few weeks ago we did an episode on politics. And uh, someone that I hadn't heard much from, you know... (laughs) text me and said, OMG, we need to talk because some of the stuff I said uh, was difficult to hear or, or they didn't agree with. And then, you know, a, a young man that I'm pretty close with, he's listened to the episode on Christmas and the stars. He said at least eight or nine times because he just loves learning about the stars and everything in between. You know, um, I have my favorites, you have yours. But it is exciting to me to have a community of people that's being built and so, as I mentioned in the introduction, this session or this episode is going to be a bit of a, a response or it's not a Q&A in that I'm not going to be necessarily reading people's questions yet, but it is really the first episode of its kind that I hope to do regularly. Um, I don't know if it would be monthly or bi-monthly, but when the new website launches, there is going to be a pretty prominent section, like three sections down, I think, where you can actually submit questions. Then if you have, if you want to submit those same questions or different questions, there's also the private group, which I will talk some about the, some more about the functionality of the tools that I'm trying to get in your hands. Uh, we'll talk about those towards the end of the podcast. But today I do have very, some specific questions I want to 
reply to that I think if one person has those questions, there's probably a few others that have the same. And so uh, this I'm not necessarily going to repeat myself from previous podcasts, but expound upon things that may have been unclear or may have, you know, been unsaid. So let's kick right in. So this is, if you can consider listening to this episode as if you were in a group of people in a room and someone raised their hand and said, hey, I have a question about something that was said before. Uh, One, just getting out of your own, you know, if you're at work, you know, my wife listens to these episodes at work during the week. And so if you're in, in your office or in your, you know, particular workplace and you're listening to this episode, I would just encourage you to really consider that you're joining in with a group of people around the world. Right, that you're you're a part of something and digging into a community concept that may not seem all that tangible to you quite yet, but that there really are people engaging with these same thoughts, these same questions, these same concepts. And I'm hoping that this podcast can become a regular place for these questions to be had and to be addressed. And right out of the gate, I knew when I did the episode, episode 11, uh, Principles of a Perfect World, uh, I talked politics. And I think right out on the beginning of that episode, I talked about how I'm going to stir the pot because I know that this community has some very, very uh, diverse concepts about how New Age Christianity should be engaging in the world, how we should actually participate or not participate on a political discussion level. So today, I'm not going to mention names when I, at least at this point in the future, I may mention names, but for now, just keep things anonymous. But one of the listeners of this podcast sent me a text after that episode, and uh, they had just listened to it. And they had a question, which was essentially if all we do is focus on creating light, what do we do for all of the injustices that we see in the world? So in that episode, I mentioned that the principles of a perfect world are that we submit ourselves one to another and that you cannot push lightness, light, darkness out of the room and you simply turn on the light. And there was a bunch of principles in there that kind of led towards the conclusion that you know, railing against the the dying of the light is not going to solve, it's not the long-term solution to the world's problems. And while this, this individual was not necessarily disagreeing with that premise uh, on, the, on the front end, or on the long-term perspective, on the front end, we are surrounded by bullshit. We are surrounded by, um, for lack of a better way, I mean, very, very evil, powerful people. Uh, You will never, ever hear me (laughs) talk about the modern political or uh, media system in a favorable way. I I am, I guess I'm a conspiracy theorist, which I believe so many conspiracies have been proven to be fact at this point, that conspiracy theory is usually conspiracy fact it's just easier to stick our heads in the sand and ignore certain things. If you don't know things like that the Fed is a private institution and that there's a, there are private bankers running the world's finances and that it has the Fed is anything but federal, right? It's like saying that, you know, UPS or it's like saying FedEx is federal because it's Federal Express. It is not a government institution, it is a private institution. So I've told people that and been told, "Oh, you're such a conspiracy theorist." That's, that's not a conspiracy. That's just a known fact. And so there are plenty of known facts. And one of the, some of the modern ones that are really starting to come out are like the child trial and sex trafficking rings inside the political movement. A lot of those stories get pushed down to the fourth and fifth page, if you will. Um, Not that anybody, not that people read the printed newspaper much anymore, but um, a lot of the things that are that are coming out about the dark side of our government and the dark side of our media system are not theories. And this individual is someone that I know to be uh, pretty passionate about the truth underneath the political environment that that we're being given. 
because let's let's be honest, we're not in a creative position for the modern political environment. The media is creating the political environment. The politicians often are looking for fame and fortune and re-election. And so they will dance to the media's drum. And the media largely, uh, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a revolving door cesspool when you go between the media system, the lobby system, the, the corporate large corporations and then the politicians and they just a politician loses re-election that's okay they'll just become a lobbyist the lobbyist run you know runs out of things to do for a particular corporation that's okay they'll just go work for another corporation corporation gets tired you know wants to uh, change a rule somewhere so they they send somebody over to the media to start you know building a narrative and we know all of us know that the system that currently exists is broken to the core and that it is dark and manipulative and not good. Whether you're a liberal or a conservative, whether you're a libertarian like myself, like I don't, I've never met a single person that looks at Washington DC and says, now there's a good group of people, just public servants really trying to help the world and make the world a better place. Oh, and those media people, just truth tellers galore. They could, they could never tell a lie. Like, <laughs> oh, if you've just been watching the news, the, at the time of the recording of this podcast, there is the, uh, the kid with the, the MAGA hat, the Make America Great Again hat, who's smirking. <laughs> I saw a meme on Facebook and it was, and it was a picture of like a, a, a lab scientist. And it was like, this just study, new study reveals that wearing a baseball cap and smirking causes no real harm. <laughs> and yet the media and the politicians, I mean, it, it, it has become a circus and it's become so much BS. And I got to be honest, at this point, if you're someone who, who loves CNN or Fox, if you're someone who loves the liberal talking points or the conservative talking points, I have to be honest, please, please consider just how convinced you are that the other side is, is full of lies and being lied to and realize that the Kool-Aid that they're drinking is just a different, it's, it's either red or blue, it's still Kool-Aid. And so you may be very passionate about certain subjects, and I know this individual specifically mentioned the child trafficking and sex trafficking, and I will tell you this, that the solutions that we're being given are not real solutions when it comes to the Senate or when it comes to the House of Representatives. And I would dare say, even when it comes to the president's solutions. Now, in this case, now I'm going to show my colors here a bit. I actually think that the president and the position of the president has been a puppet position for years and years and years. And I do not think that Donald Trump and his role in the presidency is any different in that there are people and there's a machine behind him that are doing things outside of the limelight, outside of the media attention. And Obama did plenty of things outside of that. Bush did as well. Clinton before him, Bush before him, and even Reagan before him. And I'm not sure when it started. I've never gone back historically and figured out when did the president start just being a puppet. But I believe it's been many years that that is the case. And in this case, now, if you want to get into a discussion about what's happening, you have to you have to find your evidences in places that are not obvious. If you want to really talk about what's happening, it's kind of like a magic trick, right? Where you you watch the right hand because it's really the left hand that's doing the thing that makes the magic trick work. And so it's misdirection and it's look over here, look over here, even down to you know, the current, another one of the current issues is the government shutdown, I think is on day 35 at the moment. And it's the shutdown that, that Trump is keeping in place until he gets the money for the wall, right? Now that is absolutely the thing that's on the front end. But my question is always, what are they doing that we're not aware of? What are the changes being made that we're not aware of? I saw an article uh, come across my Facebook 
the other day that talked about after 30 days of a government shutdown, they can start officially laying people off. Now, if you believe, if you're one of those that believes that Trump is fighting against the political system and is actually trying to drain the swamp, which I got to be honest, guys, the evidence suggests he really is. If you look at the list of senators and congressmen or women who have who have decided to not run for re-election, who have resigned, um, you I think the list is now something along in the mid 80s. As far as you look at the last two years, you look at the senators that have disappeared, the congressmen that have disappeared or have chosen once their term is up that they're done. This is a very long list. And then you, you look at the how many higher high up officials in things like the FBI, the CIA and the deep state, how many of those officials have been removed. That is also a very long list. And then you add to it the list of high-level CEOs um, and major corporations and high-level banking officials. What you end up having is you have a list of hundreds of people that used to make the world go round, if you will. And they're either resigning, resigned, or already gone. Or or their power has been removed. And so I do believe, for better or worse that the swamp is being drained. It's just not being drained publicly. And you have to know where to find these things. And it's all in the news. This is not conspiracy theory. This is all provable stuff. And this may be a surprise to you. You may be realizing, wait, what? What's he talking about? Yeah, go look it up. Understand what's going on in your government. And so I don't want to keep going down that rabbit trail other than to say in direct response to If the world we're supposed to live in is a world where we perfectly submit ourselves one to another in love, and that the spirit is the control mechanism and not law and rule and control from other people, then how do we get from here to there? And this is where I know this individual who sent me the question, it was was essentially the perception that I was saying you know, we do nothing. And you know the old saying of, of evil thrives when good people stand by and do nothing. And that is the, that, that couldn't be further from what I was trying to say. If you know me personally, you know that New Age Christianity is one of multiple projects that I am working towards and working on to try to change the world. Yet, this is, the, this is where I would say the difference is in what I believe the solution is and what the modern political system is trying to present as the solution. And that is the modern political system is trying to fix these problems by adding more control. So if you can think about, um, oh man, the, a good analogy I saw recently was a documentary on the soil quality uh, that, of our planet. And how the modern fertilizers, what they will do is they'll add, you know, let's say they add nitrogen to the, to the soil. And then over a course of a few years, now there's too much nitrogen in the soil and there's not enough phosphorus. So what they then do is they go, oh, well, now we're going to add more phosphorus. And so now the balance is good for a couple more years. And now there's too much nitrogen and too much phosphorus. And so then they add more. And then what happens is... When you just keep adding ingredients, the whole thing becomes toxic. And so this is the same thing with control. So let's control people's behavior that we don't want them to do. Okay, well, now now people are doing things that we didn't think of. So now let's control the behaviors that we do want them to do. Okay, now things are, so let's, con- let's add more control. And basically, it's like adding salt to a cake. <laughs> yes, cake tastes better with just the right amount of salt, but you add too much salt to the wrong thing, and you can't take it back out. And so the answer to the control problem is not more control. It is not... A, an additional layer of bureaucracy and another organization and another uh, and another law and another rule. If you have too much control and you have people behaving badly, let me encourage you. You know, yes, the child sex trafficking is a thing. What are we going to do? Have more laws? Because not 
trafficking children is already a law. Not having sex with an underage that that's already a law. Like the, these people are breaking the law anyways. And the reality is, is that more control just elevates the behavior. If you if you look at any historically, if you look at um, it elevates the negative versions of the behavior. So if you look at prohibition or you look at the drug war or you look at even the policies on marijuana, any time the government tries to regulate morality, you have, let's say you have an 80% reduction in the abuses of a particular substance, but the 20% that don't stop using it, they're forced to go underground. And now you develop an entirely different subculture that's very dark and dangerous and violent and hidden. Because control only frames sin. Control only frames the negative. And so I believe the answer to what ails us is not inserting more laws and rules and regulations, but is actually inserting freedom and then using inspiration and using better ideas to change the world. There is an idea that uh, shall remain nameless at this time, but it is one that I'm working on with uh, a few other individuals that right now, if it were to be implemented, it would take about a year, year and a half to really come into fruition. But if it, if it were to happen, it would change how we look at currency. It would change how we look at nonprofits. It would change it how we look at the, the medical industry. It would change how we look at even corporate structure on a legal level. It would change how we engage with social media. And it would likely change the world's economy in just a short amount of time because the idea is that revolutionary. And so you're faced with the question, do I go head on and do I try to bundle up the darkness and shove it out the door, you know, and put darkness in a garbage bag and put it outside? Or do I turn on the light with a new idea, with a creative solution, with a solution that uses the nature of humanity to inspire them to do better and be better? And I believe that the, the, the Father has those solutions. The Spirit is looking for people who would have the faith to stop fighting the system and start building a new one. To change the world, instead of fighting the existing system, build something new that makes the old one obsolete. And that, that is what it means to turn on the light. So if you want to fight sex trafficking, then figure out in an ingenious way to make child abuse obsolete, right? And that may sound impossible. That may sound like a fool's errand, but I'm telling you, if you put it in your heart and you give it to the spirit and you give it to the father and you believe in the core of your being that there are systems that can use man's, you know, in that case, you're, you're talking about the, the lust of men and the lust of, and men is in not a gender neutral version of mankind, that you can actually turn that around into something productive? Yes. It's obviously part of who we are. Uh, Sex drive and everything, it's part of our nature. So I don't believe that the answer is to make more rules and controls around it, to build a fence around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so that just in case the apple falls and rolls outside of the fence, no, well, then you just build a bigger fence and a bigger fence. And then eventually you say, well, we can't even go on that continent because that's where that tree is. Look, Sexual drive and lust is a thing, and it is something that is in humanity, and it is intended to be creative. So if you actually want to fight something, then dedicate your your heart to meditating on a better solution. Dedicate your mind and your time to seeking the Spirit on how to create something that uses those energies, sex drive and stuff like that, in a, in a creative way form. Now, what do you do with the people that are currently breaking those laws? And we don't, you know, we don't have time to go create some amazing system, Austin. We got kids being abducted right now, this very minute. All I can say to that is that the long, it's not a long-term solution to just reintroduce control, 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 and control. 
the short-term solution, by all means, we have to deal with it. And to that end, I believe, again, that the Spirit has put people on this earth who have a solution to that end. And in the case of the current scenario, I do know if you're not familiar with something like QAnon, um, you know, you can Google QAnon and you'll find all sorts of conspiracy stuff around that. Um, But there are evidences in that discussion that show that child sex trafficking is being addressed and that people are being arrested. And to that end, if if it is that big of a deal to you, then you should embrace it and you should go be part of somebody else's solution. If you don't have your own, if you don't have your own vision, give your heart and your time and your energy to someone who does have one. And then in the meantime, believe for something better. So I am not saying don't directly address things. I am saying control is not a long-term solution. And therefore, the world needs people who have the balls to believe that there is a creative solution that will change the world through voluntary engagement. That when people are forced to do things, it is not sustainable. So inspire people to stop sex trafficking. Inspire better behavior through creative ideas and kingdom ideas. If you don't believe that that is possible, then I would encourage you to double check your overall belief in the fact that everything's possible through God. Because we look at certain things and we think, well, that's impossible. Really? I would disagree. So if you don't have a vision, sell one to someone who does. And, and that goes for New Age Christianity, by the way. If you don't have a vision for how to change the world, but you want to participate, like seriously, New Age Christianity does have one. And there's other vision that I know is a, surrounding this, that join into a community and give your time, your energy, and your heart to somebody else's vision until you have your own. And you will find yourself surrounded by people with like minds and like energy. And that is how you get new ideas in the first place. Uh, another question that I've had multiple times in multiple ways, because I had an episode on the Bible, had an episode on um, Jesus, and you know even the Christmas episode, something like that, is really the broad question. It's come to me in different ways. And that is, what do you do with other religions? Namely, the fact that other religions carry truth and they carry wisdom. And yet Christianity has always been the religion that claims that if you don't have Jesus, then everything you've learned and everything that you know is useless. And I have said, and I even said in, I think it was episode number four, What About Jesus?, that Jesus is non-negotiable. And uh, I have people that I know listen to this podcast that have told me, like, I'm so glad you said that. Jesus is non-negotiable. And yes, I do say that. But I'm here to tell you, I do not mean it in the way that you think I mean it. And my favorite quote, and I, it may end up becoming kind of my uh, my signature tagline at this point, is uh, Thomas Troward, that if anything is true, there's a way in which it is true. And the question that a lot of you have had is, you know, is Jesus, is the name of Jesus, is saying the prayer, is knowing Jesus personally, is that non-negotiable? Is that something that if you do not know Jesus, you go to hell? Well, there are so many layers that would, in which I can address this, not the least of which is the idea of hell that most people think of is not one that I even agree with. The idea of heaven is not one that I agree with. The idea that uh, there is an in and an out is not one that I agree with. So that's a really quick answer to say, if you're trying to consider what it is that humanity needs to know or what it is that humanity needs to do in order to be in, then you're asking the wrong question. And it's usually that foundational assumption, right? We assume, well, of course, Austin, there's an in and an out, and you're either saved or you're not saved. So now I want to know, is Jesus non-negotiable for salvation? And I'm here to tell you salvation itself, let's, let's go the foundational concept, salvation itself is not what you think it is. And if salvation is not what you think it is, then what is it? 
Now, to me, salvation and eternal life and the you know choosing life and death and everything, it's all about now, right? That he came that you would have life and have it abundantly. He came that you would enter into the kingdom, which is at hand. He came that you would have eternal life. When does eternal life start? Uh, eternity. There is no beginning to eternal life. There is no end to eternal life. So you are you either have eternal life now or you do not. And so we living inside of time and space, there is a reality to living a life in such a way that you are either living in life or you are living in death. But either way, you are living. And either way, you are being. And whether you have a physical body or not, you will continue to be living and being. And so that in or out is literally not a someday future question. It is a in what way are you living now? Are you in heaven now? Or are you in hell now? So Jesus being non-negotiable is not about heaven or hell or the future. And that is honestly what most Christians have believed. And that's how they have taught. And that's how they have, when I hear people tell me, oh, I'm so glad you say that Jesus is non-negotiable. That's what they think I mean. Let me tell you what I really mean. Jesus is non-negotiable because he is logic. There's, you cannot have a divine mind, which I would say every human has a divine mind. They have divine intelligence. Their intelligence is higher than that of monkeys, dolphins, pigs, cows, trees, rocks, lizards, right? That there's a, a type of intelligence that humanity has that I would call divine. And that divine intelligence is 100% dependent upon having the mind of logic. And logic is what sets us aside, right? It is not instinct or intuition that sets us apart. You know, I mean, just, just watch animals. They clearly have instinct and intuition. But it is logic that sets mankind apart from other beings, and that is the mind of Christ. Now, do you use logic to create darkness? If so... That would be using the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to create evil. Do you use logic to create light? If so, then that is using the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to create light. Now, something I did not say, I may or may not have said, but if you understand that the Urim and the Thinim are the white and the black stone inside the high priest's ephod, and then that is how Israel used to judge their people, and they would ask a yes-no question. The priest would reach into the ephod, which is basically a, a fancy way of saying his pocket, and he would pull out a stone. And if the stone was white, it was yes. And if it, the stone was black, it was no. The reality of Revelation, where we get the white stone with a new name written on it, I believe is pointing to the Urim and the Thinim, and that if you use this brain you've been given, this logic you've been given, to create I am notness, you are living in the black stone. The black stone is equivalent to Satan and separation. And that the black stone is literally using your creative power to be an opponent of God. Conversely, if you use the white stone, that is equivalent to the Holy Spirit. And that the white stone is using your creative power to be a co-laborer or a co-creator with God. And it is the I am. So the black stone is the I am not slash Satan, and the white stone is the I am slash the Holy Spirit. All of it together is logic, which is why Jesus, who was perfect, righteous, and holy, also had to become sin. He also had to become, he also had to die. He had, he was spirit and he had to become matter. So Jesus is the entire framework for both I am and I am not. He is the entire framework for life and death. He is the entire framework for sin and righteousness. He's the entire framework for Satan and the Holy Spirit. Jesus holds it all together. He frames it all. And that is why, and yes, I just said Jesus is the framework for Satan. Okay. If you understand what sin is and death is, and you understand what Jesus did on the cross, it's not that offensive of a statement that he became sin, literally. If any being in the planet has been sin itself, it's Satan. I digress. Point being, that when I say Jesus is non-negotiable, 
I don't mean you have to confess his name to get to heaven. I don't mean you have to know him personally in order to be a good person. What I mean is whether you thought about it or not, whether you've ever heard about him or not, whether you like him or not, if you use logic, you have the mind of Christ. If you have a body and you also say that you have a spirit, then it was what Christ did on the cross that made that possible. If you believe that you are God in the flesh, whether you're you're New Age or not, whether you're New Age Christian or not, whether you're Hindu or Buddhist or whatever, if you have these things that, that are foundational in your belief system, then you are using the framework of logic and logic became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. So when I say he's non-negotiable, I actually mean it. Because when you when people say, "Oh, yeah, see, Jesus is non-negotiable means which means you don't get to heaven unless you have him." No, that would be a negotiation. Right? People if 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 they're choosing whether or not to accept Jesus, then they're actually negotiating. No, I mean Jesus is non-negotiable. You cannot live without him. Like there is no such thing as life without Jesus. So understanding Jesus on a level that puts him inside of everyone and everything, regardless of your belief system, automatically now has effects on how I view Buddhism or how I view Hinduism or or how I view Judaism or Islam or Christianity. Now that is not saying, this is not me saying that all religions are equal and they're all, no. This is me saying that God is bigger than a religion, and God and Jesus and Christ and logic and, and, and truth and beauty have nothing to do with the, the framework that we give it, and then somehow magically we have all the right answers and that anybody who doesn't have these answers is not part of God, and they're not part of Jesus. That is arrogance to the core, that we as humanity could define God in such a way as to lock other people out of it. That is the anti-Christ. That is the anti-anointing. Because Christos is simply the Greek word for Messiah. Messiah is the Hebrew word. Christos is the Greek word. And it simply means the anointed one. And that you are like Christ. And that you are a nation of kings and priests. And if you go into the Old Testament and look at the Hebrew, every king and every priest was a Messiah. They were an anointed one. And they literally did anoint their heads with oil. You know, if you go back to Samuel and David, you know this story. So you are like Christ and that you have the mind of Christ. And so does everyone else. There is no way for you to lock people out from that. And if you, th- and, and, and the, you know, the only way to, that people get locked out from heaven and eternal life and the kingdom is by their own belief and their own belief that they are locked out. And who is the number one group telling the world that they're locked out? The church. And not just Christian church, religion. Islam is telling people that if you don't believe this, you're locked out. Judaism, if you don't believe this, you're locked out. Even, uh, not, not all, I guess Hinduism and Buddhism are significantly more open. But it is religion that is telling the world that they're locked out. And the only way it actually becomes true is if people believe it. If, if you believe that shit, and I mean it, that is bullshit. And it is arrogance at its core. And so to say Jesus is non-negotiable on the level that I'm saying has nothing to do with whether or not people have confessed his name and have read his story and have believed that he died for their sins. Now, is it valuable to know who Jesus is as an individual? Is it valuable to know that he lived and died and that he instilled an idea in humanity that we were forgiven and that we were righteous and that we were holy? Is it valuable to listen to what Jesus taught? And is it valuable to have a quote-unquote personal relationship with him? Absolutely. And that is largely why this is New Age Christianity, not New Age because I believe a personal relationship with logic himself in the form of Jesus Christ makes you smarter. It makes you 
gooder. <laughs> it makes you happier and it illuminates the kingdom to you in a more clear way. You know, we all know that spirituality has this kind of nebulousness to it. And we think about spiritual things in these kind of big terms and these generic platitudes. But when you can personify, when you can personify I amness in the form of the Holy Spirit and the white stone, when you can personify logic and wisdom in the form of Jesus Christ, and you can personify the consciousness and create creation in the form of the Father, I think those personifications speed our process along because now it's no longer generic platitudes. It is things that we can know personally. And you know what? Just on a relational level, guys, I'm telling you, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, <laughs> oh my gosh, just saying that, uh, because it's so abused, because, you know, let me sidetrack for a second. If you have a person, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, most of the time that sentence is finished with, you're going to hell, you're wrong, you're out. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you're missing out on something really beautiful. You're missing out on something really helpful. Life has got a lot of crap in it. And how nice it is, how nice is it when you've got a friend to go through it with, when you've got somebody to talk about it with? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father, all three of them have their own dynamics. And maybe I should do an episode on uh, the relational dynamics of those three and kind of draw out some of the experiences I've had. Uh, one of the interviews that is heading to to be edited was with uh, Kat, and Kat, we do talk about those three relationships and the difference. Point being is Jesus is non-negotiable because he's non-negotiable. And so people who don't believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter. He's non-negotiable, and I mean it. They have logic, they have the divine mind. That's how it works. As far as knowing him personally, absolutely there's a value. And that that's why I do New Age Christianity is because I've come back to the Father's house in a in the personification of having the Father in my life. And I think it's beautiful and I love it. And I want other people to have that. But it is not a prerequisite for being God in the flesh. You are God in the flesh simply by being human. And then what do you do with other religions? It makes it, I, I, I almost don't even need to feel like I need to elaborate on that simply because at that point, any discussion, whether it has a religious trappings and wrappings or not, truth is truth, wisdom is wisdom, and growing is growing. Yes, I think you should know Jesus personally. Yes, I think that the Bible and the typologies it carries is the greatest source of deep truth um, of all the religions. So if I had to pick one, I would pick Christianity. And, and if I had to, you know, clearly the ones that, the, the, the viewpoints that encourage people to blow each other up and murder each other are the crappy ones. But historically, Christianity has been one of those. So I think Christianity, Judaism, and Islam are three of the most dangerous religions when you consider the us versus them mentality that they provide. And so Buddhism, Hinduism, and, their, and the more open concepts like New Age religion, I, I tend to think they're a lot safer places to explore because they're not going to condemn you to hell. They're not going to condemn anyone else to hell. And they're not going to create hell in your mind. So do I study Hinduism and Buddhism a lot? No, I don't. But do, do I enjoy teachers like Sadhguru or, um, oh my goodness, you know, Eckhart Tolle or you know, Deepak Chopra. Yeah, I do. I, I, they have some wisdom and I have some disagreement with them. I don't just check my brain at the door, but neither do I check my brain at the door when I listen to Bill Johnson and Bethel. So freedom is what the kingdom looks like. And when, and Jesus did not come to set you captive to him. He's not, he didn't come to become your new control freak. He didn't come to be, he didn't come to be your new ball and chain. He sets you free to not have a ball and chain. And Christians want to keep passing him out as the new ball and Jane. And it's just not how it works. That's not how any of this works. So the last thing I want to talk about is not going to take too long is simply the um, kind of the, the upgrades to NAC and uh, where we're headed. So, you know, this all has started out. It started 
almost a year ago as a, a response to the small group of people that were in my life that said, we need to, we're all over the country. We all feel alone. Can we start doing something together? So we had a weekly call and it lasted six months. And it was good, but it turned into Church 2.0, and it was becoming obligatory, and it was becoming uh, rote, and it just didn't have the the life that I believe a true virtual church should have. And so, you know, as you're counting it as a learning lesson, but also essentially counting it as a failure, uh, we decided to uh, stop doing that and then switch for formats. This podcast is a result of that switch. And in the coming weeks, I have mentioned it multiple times, but I will be launching a new concept inside of this where uh, I was thinking about doing a study group and an ongoing study group, and I realized, oh, that feels a lot like the church concept again. So we're not going to do a study group. What we're going to do is I'm going to be starting subject-focused classes that uh, will go for four, five, six weeks, however long they need to go, and then when they're done... We will take a small break, maybe a week or two, and then we'll do another subject-focused class. The first class we're going to do is on types and shadows, and we'll probably do it as a 101 because there's about three layers deep of types and shadows, and if we did all of them, that would take a couple months. But I'm going to do types and shadows 101. I'm thinking it will be four to five weeks, and there will be a cost associated with that. These classes will you know, hopefully help increase the... Uh, the income for NAC so that we can keep providing more value to you. So that class will be announced here shortly. Well, I'm announcing it now, but it will be the timing of it will be announced here shortly. Um, the website is probably 50% of the way uh, as far as its remake and revamping some of the uh, interactions. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, there will be a question, a place to submit your questions on the front page of the website. I originally was going to have a community forum for this stuff, and I realized that trying to build a machine known as New Age Christianity from the top down will not work. It needs to be organic, and it needs to be um, something that that is built over time. So I'm not going to start out with the forum on the website. I'm simply going to have a place to submit questions, and then uh, they will be answered by myself or other leaders in this community in the form of a blog post, a podcast episode, or maybe just a direct response via email, depending on the question. And if you want to have a community concept, then uh, you'll be able, on that new site, you'll be able to request access to the private group on Facebook. And there, by all means, you know, we're not going to regulate what you ask or or we're not going to regulate anything. We believe in freedom. So going on to the private group on Facebook will be the community forum. Uh, If you're not familiar with it, we have New Age Christianity is a page, and then there's a private group underneath of it. So if you want to join the private group, Simply go to the New Age Christian page and put a post a message on there, and I will see it, and I will invite you. And eventually, there will be a different process where you go through the website. You know, as I mentioned, also I've been doing some interviews. My goal with this podcast is to kind of go back and forth between me doing some teaching, me doing some question and answers like this episode, and then some interviews with other New Age Christians where you get to you know, relate. And then obviously some of you guys have some really great expertise in, in particular areas. And so I want to introduce you, those with you, those of you with expertise, I wanted to introduce you to the community. And so um, I've also done some discussions with Kaylee, Kat, and Chris at this point, and you'll be hearing more from other people. So this podcast will hopefully morph beyond just my voice And as the community grows, I think we're up to 340 unique listeners of this podcast, not necessarily on a weekly basis, but total unique devices that have listened to this podcast. I think we're at 340. So yeah, the Facebook private group, the submit button on the website, the new website should be up. Oh, I'm believing for, you know, early February. It just takes so much longer than you think it will. And then that new class on Types and Shadows, I will launch that. I don't have a price for it yet. Uh, Part of it depends on how many weeks that I think the 101 class will go. And we will be doing it during the week. Uh, There is 
everyone's different opinion as to when that class should go. Should it be Sunday night? Should it be Saturday night, Friday night? And the reality is um, that most of us, at one time or another, we make plans for the weekend and skipping those classes is difficult. But to add a you know two-hour class for five weeks on Thursday nights um, inside of your work week, we found is the most consistent ability to, for people to put it on their calendar. So the classes will be on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. That'd be 8 p.m. Central and then Pacific Coast. Point being is, is we're going to do it at 9 p.m. Eastern so that those on the West Coast have time to get home after work, but it's not too late for people on the East Coast that they're staying up till midnight. So look out for those and the continued growth of New Age Christianity and the people that I want to introduce you to should look really interesting this year. I have a tendency to keep reiterating things until I find what works. And so there's no guarantees that any of the things that we're currently doing will stick around. The only guarantee I have for you is that I'm not going to give up trying to build New Age Christianity or whatever it is, this thing in my heart that the Father has placed to bring, to give people a home. And that has really become the thing that's become so clear to me is I'm, I believe I'm called to, to build something that all of the, those of us who have left church or have, you know, those of us who may be new age and, and want to know what to do with Jesus and the Bible and everything like that, like there's, I believe there's millions of us out there who are looking for a new thing to call home. And New Age Christianity is the, the best version of that to this point that I have been able to, to think up. And I think it will be around long term. What New Age Christianity does and what it looks like, well, time will tell. And honestly, the community will tell. And I don't know if it, you know, if, if it becomes a school, if it becomes a, a full-time radio show, if it becomes the next TBN. I don't, I don't know. And that is not the point. The point is to continue to follow the Spirit and hopefully provide a community for you guys that helps you realize you're not alone and helps you realize that there is so much freedom and so much available to you in this new way of being a Christian that uh, it is life-giving. So, hope you've enjoyed this episode and hope that some of the clarity, both politically and around Jesus, was helpful and around New Age Christianity itself. Um, <laughs> I was talking to uh, to Matt Rainey, who is the uh, host of uh, another podcast called Evolving Parent. And if you've not listened to it, and if you're a parent and you're looking how to be a New Age Christian in the coming age, I highly suggest listening to his podcast. And he and I were talking. He was talking, and he said, "You know." He suggested that I come up with a tagline at the end of my podcast. And I thought, you know what? That's a good idea. And so I've been thinking about it all week, and I realized that I already have a catchphrase or a tagline, and that is the Thomas Troward quote, that if anything is true, there's a way in which it is true. And I believe that phrase very thoroughly wraps up my New Age Christian journey, and I hope it resonates with you that when you get to engage with your family and friends and they think you're crazy because you just said something and you said something that totally goes against what they assume to be true, this is my favorite response. If anything is true, there's a way in which it is true. So with that, thank you guys for uh, sharing your time with me again. And uh, I will see you on the next episode.